Well, hey, welcome. It's good to be with you this weekend. Those of you here to Waukesha campus, uh, wherever you are at, joining us online. And special shout out to our friends in Pewaukee. It's good to be with you. My name is Garrett. I get to serve as the director of Next Gen Ministries here at River Glen. And we would just love to invite you to get connected. Uh, we are gearing up for an exciting school year, an exciting September for kids and students. And so maybe you're a parent and you've got some elementary kids or you've got some middle or, or high schoolers, uh, we, we want to invite you to get your kids plugged in and connected. Maybe you, you are a student and, and you're looking for community or you're, you're just looking for something fun to do uh, on Sunday nights or, or Wednesday, on, on Wednesday nights. And uh, man, I'm, I'm biased, but let's have some fun, all right? Let, let's chat. I would love to, to talk with you. I'll be at the Next Steps Hub uh, after service. Ryan over at Pewaukee uh, will be at your Next Steps Hub. And online, our, our host would be happy uh, to, to connect us uh, together. So just let them know that, you, that you're maybe interested. Uh, and we would just love to help you find some community and have some fun in RG Kids or RG Youth. Uh, we offer RG Kids through all of our services across both of our campuses uh, and our middle school programming meets Wednesday nights, our high school on Sunday nights. Maybe you're, you're not a student and maybe you don't have kids, but maybe you're, you're good at teaching or you're, you're good at, uh, you're very nurturing or you can relate with, with anyone or maybe you just, maybe you can really pelt a kid in the head with a dodgeball. Um, or here, I'll put it this way. If you can use the word drip and riz in a sentence, you're in, all right? We would love to connect you with NextGen uh, and help you uh, find a way to serve and, and love some students or kids uh, where they are at. But we have had an amazing summer, and we're still coming off uh, some incredible moments, some things that God has done this summer. So I just kind of want to share with you, show you a little bit of what our summer has looked like in NextGen. So check this out. It was a blast. It was awesome. Yeah, we can, we can give that a hand. It's been a fun summer. Uh, I am still catching up on sleep uh, from all the things that we have done uh, this summer. But as we've been, uh, been winding down summer as a church, we have been in this series called One at a Time. And it's based off a book by Kyle Eidelman. And it's a book that our staff has gone through. And this has been an absolute game changer for how we do ministry, really just how we do life, living one at a time. And in this series, we've talked about, hey, how can God begin to work in us and then start to work through us? How can we maybe start to change our, our lens or how we're seeing people and then maybe getting in proximity, getting close with people so that we can be a part of life change, be a part of what God is doing. And this week, I want to talk to you about intersections. And I don't mean like a four-way stop or the worst thing ever created, which is a roundabout. I'm not talking about those kind of intersections. I'm talking about these big life moments that maybe you have been in or you're coming out of, or you will be in one day, or that your friends or your neighbors or your family are going through. These are the 
these, these big life moments where there's maybe a decision that needs to be made or someone who's kind of struggling or they're in just a season of, man, what is going on? These are intersections, these moments that we can be a part of. Maybe you're a, an upperclassman and you're kind of gearing up for what's next and you're kind of getting sick and tired of people asking like, what are you doing next year? What are your plans in the fall? What do you have going on? And while you're excited for this new season, you're also a little stressed and, and overwhelmed and, and anxious about this next step in high school or college or, or adulthood. Maybe you're, you're a parent and you've got, you've got little kids who maybe for the first time are going to, to daycare or school and the house is gonna be more empty or you're gonna be at work worrying and wondering like, how are they? Are they doing okay? Are they making friends? Or maybe your kids are graduating or, or getting married married and, and you're empty nesting, right? And things are going to look different at home. Maybe for you, you've, you've recently got just like some difficult news from the doctor, some, some tough medical news. And not only now do you have to process that, but you've got to figure out how do, how do I share this with my loved ones, with my family, with my friends? How do, I, how do I now share this news about my situation? For you, it could be a breakup. It could be a job or a career change. It could be an, an unexpected positive pregnancy test. I don't know what it is, but these moments are intersections. And the invitation for those of us who would say we are followers of Jesus would be that we would not ignore these, but rather move towards them. And we would enter into these intersections with people in our lives, that we would live one at a time by entering into these intersections. The challenge is not to avoid them when they come up, when we see them, right? I'll I'll put it this way, if I could use a, a football term, that we would intercept the intersection, right? That, that when we see that moment, we would jump in, that we would swarm to it, that we would intercept it rather than or instead of ignoring the intersection and being like, I don't want to be a part of that. I know that was a lot of eyes, right, that I used, but here, here's the idea, right? That we would intercept it, that we jump in and, and move towards. Maybe this is something you've been praying for, that breakthrough moment with a friend where you get to just sit with them and be present with them and point them to Jesus, that we would enter in and not ignore these situations, I remember a few years ago, my wife and I are on a road trip and we're somewhere in the middle of Nebraska or something. And I get a call from a student in our youth ministry who's calling to let me know that that morning he found out his dad had passed away. I'm out of town. I'm not near the church. I'm not in in town. I can't really meet with him. And so we talked on the phone for a little bit and, and that was that. There wasn't really much more I could do in that moment. And about a month later, the student calls me again. This time it's a Sunday night. We didn't have our high school programming going on on this specific Sunday. And so I'm at home, it's a night off, and I'm chilling with my wife. And the student calls and asks if I'd like to hang out. See, this Sunday was Father's Day. And it was first Father's Day without his dad. And so he's calling, asking if if I'd like to do something to get him out of the house. And for, for a moment, immediately, I, I was like honored that he would ask me that. Or, and I was like, I, I just, absolutely, I'd love to be there for you. But if I'm being completely honest, there was a little part of me that was kind of hesitant. Man, I knew this was going to be a heavy topic. I knew he's really going through something. That's going to be a, a lot maybe on my plate. I was kind of intimidated of what that conversation might, might look like or what he might require of me or what he might need from me in that moment. And it was a little scary. And, and on top of that, it's like, well, I've kind of got the night off, right? We're, we're hanging out at home. But, but luckily, God and, and my wife in that moment kind of immediately pressed on me. Uh, you got to be there. And so very quickly on the phone, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let, let's go. I'll pick you up. And so I picked the student up and, and all we did was we went to the driving range and we had a very nutritious meal at Taco Bell. And that was, that was it. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's all we did. We, we golfed and, and ate cheese gordita crunches. That, that was it. 
There wasn't much like deep conversation or this crazy spiritual moment that happened between him and I, but it did form a relationship. It deepened our relationship that lasted even to this day outside of high school. And it's a moment that that I'm grateful that I didn't ignore, that I didn't kind of fall on my own preferences or on my own kind of comfort level and say, well, I got the night off or it's a little, it could be a little awkward, but rather leaned into it because I could have missed a huge opportunity to be light in a dark place. You've got to use me to, to be hope to someone going through something. And, and I'd love to say that that's how it always is for me, but, but the truth is it isn't. And it's not always that easy, right? Sometimes it is hard, right? Sometimes it's a little easy to avoid certain things. Maybe there's, there's some things for you that, that you just avoid, right, altogether. Maybe they're not like big life-altering things in other people's life, but they could potentially lead there. Or they're just like inconveniences for you. And so you just altogether, like, I don't want to get in that uh, situation. I don't want to do that. Here, here's a list. I've got some things that I'm going to confess to you. Uh, some things that I avoid often. All right, the first one that I avoid uh, is salons, hair salons, okay? Uh, let me put it this way. I got a guy, cuts my hair, makeshift barbershop in his garage, all right? And that works great for us. Sometimes at hair salons, I feel pressured to just talk. I don't know if they want me to talk to them. I don't know if the barber wants me to keep talking. And so I'll ask questions or I'll talk. I don't know how to describe my haircut or whatever. And so I just, they're like, hey, this guy, please shut up. Like, and then what if they ask me like a really deep question? while they're in the middle of shampooing my hair. How do I answer that? What do I do? And so altogether, I'm going to avoid that one. The second one is 5Ks, okay? Um, I don't want to run with you. And that is, that is it. Don't ask me. Uh, Respectfully, I'm not interested. Uh, Here's what I can provide. Here's what I would like to offer. I will stand on the side. I will celebrate you. I will pass you little drinks if you'd like, and I will eat fettuccine with you beforehand, okay? Any office fans uh, will understand that one. This one, this next one, I'm really working on, especially in student ministry, but I got a hard time with it sometimes is the school concerts, man. I... I want to support you. I really do. So, hey, if you're a student, you're in band or choir, invite me, all right? I'll be there, all right? I'll try to be there, okay? But here's, here's why. I... I don't know if you're singing off key or on key. I have no idea how a tuba is supposed to sound. And so I'm going to be a bad judge, okay? I'm going to lie to you, and I'm going to be a bad judge of the whole situation. And then the last one is this one. Um, I, I don't want to help you move, okay? I'm just going to be straight up. I, I don't want to. Now, I, I do expect you to help me move. Um, and I've, I don't know, I feel like that's fair somehow, but I don't really want to touch your mattress. Um, and I don't want to like have to deal with a couch in like a weird hallway and be like, pivot. You know, I don't want to, I want to just avoid that at all costs. It's not that fun. Okay. Here's the thing. These are not like big life altering, huge intersection moments in people's life, but they could potentially lead to them. It could build a relationship. It could eventually get us caught up in a conversation that all of a sudden I'm like, uh, didn't expect to be here. This is, this is awkward. This is throwing me off. What do I do in this situation? Here, here's the truth. People are at intersections. See, maybe the, the barber or the hairstylist, maybe, maybe they're extra chatty that one day because maybe they're just feeling lonely. They don't have a lot of other people to talk to. Maybe that, that one friend who's, who's running or, you know, inviting you to do the 5Ks or anything, maybe they just need a distraction from the stress at work and they're stressed, and they just want someone to, to hang out with and run with and, and kind of avoid what's going on. Maybe, maybe that one kid or one student in choir or band, maybe in that space, that is the only time that they feel seen or, or valued or like someone cares about them and is noticing them. 
Maybe the friend or neighbor who's moving is actually going through a really hard time because they've lived in that house for a long time. And there's a lot of memories within that. Maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. And now they've got to leave this home that they love and you can meet them in these intersections. People are at intersections. And the challenge for us is, are we gonna be willing? Are we gonna be ready to meet them? Are we gonna be willing? Are we gonna be ready to intercept the intersection instead of ignoring the intersection? This is how Jesus lived. This is exactly what Jesus did throughout his life. We read of stories like Nicodemus. He met this guy in the middle of the night who's got a ton of questions. The guy's confused, he's struggling, and Jesus just talks to him. He meets him in the middle of the night and has a conversation. He lets him ask and he shows love. There's another instance where Jesus meets a a woman who let's just say she's in a very complicated relationship status and he shows her mercy, he shows her love. He, He looks at her as someone of value and worth and he invites her to a better, more fulfilling lifestyle. This is what Jesus did. And so this weekend, I want to hang out in a, in a text that Jesus, again, meets someone at an intersection. And I've invited a couple of our students, a couple of high schoolers. They're going to come out and, and read our text for us. It's kind of a, a longer story. It takes place in John 21. But we've got Bryant and Anna here. They're going to read our, our story, our intersection story for us today. But I want to give you a little context. It's in John chapter 21. Jesus has, has risen from the dead. And he's on a mission to find his disciples, to go meet them, to go interact with them and encounter them. More notably in this story is his disciple named Peter. There's a moment that happens between him and Jesus. I want you guys to check this out, starting in verse 24. Four, four, yeah, sorry. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and then you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Thanks, guys. 
Can we give him a hand? That's a long story, but in that story, there's an intersection happening, and I don't want us to miss it. You see, Peter has not really interacted. He's not really had a one-on-one moment with Jesus since a few days prior when he had denied knowing him. See, the night that Jesus was arrested and and put on trial before he was nailed to the cross and and crucified, Peter is kind of hanging out by the temple and he's standing outside and people keep approaching him. Hey, were you with that guy? Wait, you know, you know Jesus, I've seen you before. And three times Peter says, no, 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 I don't know him. I've never been with him. And he denies Jesus. And they haven't really interacted since that moment. And so there's probably all kinds of things going on in Peter's head when he sees Jesus. And and Peter, kind of in this in-between, has just gone back to what he knows. He's just fishing, right? He's just like, I'm going to go fishing. Which, side note, there are only two instances in the entire gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Peter is fishing. He's a professional fisherman. This is his job. And both times, he catches nothing until Jesus shows up. This guy is terrible at his job. It's a good thing he became a preacher because he's a really bad fisherman. Or this is just the story of fishing for everybody that you're not catching anything until maybe God shows up, right? Maybe that's, that's the story for you and your, your fishing journey. But, but here's the thing, right? Imagine what's going on in Peter's head. Imagine how he's feeling. Author and, and pastor Tyler Staten, he touches on this so well. He points out that Jesus is making a, f- a fire that he's cooking breakfast on the beach and he's got burning coals to cook the food. And, and, and Peter kind of comes up to this. Now, you know, burning coals is, is maybe the most notable smell, right? It, you know, when you smell a grill, right? I mean, it's like the smell, the scent of summer. I mean, you know, when you get home from work that one night, you've already got dinner planned, maybe something's been marinating or you got something in the crock pot. And then all of a sudden you're, are the neighbors grilling? They doing burgers? They doing dogs tonight? Is it kebab night over there? Like what, what is that across the street? Is that a grill? And then all of a sudden, whatever you had planned sounds terrible. Like nothing will satisfy, but a nice charred hot dog with all the right top. That's all you need, right? It's the smell of summer. It immediately takes you to a place. Smell is actually one of the biggest senses that is attached to our memory. This one article puts it this way. It says, scientists believe that smell and memory are so closely linked because the anatomy of the brain allows for olfactory signals to get to the limbic system very quickly. Experts say that memories associated with smells tend to be older and thought about less often, meaning the recollection is very vivid when it happens. This is why for many of us, uh, grandma's house has a very distinct smell, right? You know, it takes you back to grandma's house and you're reminded of her in those moments and and the candies, right? Like it takes you to that place. For me, that smell is, is snow and winter. I know that, that might be weird, but I was not raised. Uh, I did not grow up around snow. And so every winter I'm, I'm immediately taken back, right? The only time I was around it is as a kid when I would come here to Wisconsin to visit my aunt and uncle. And so I'm immediately taken back to these moments being a little California boy visiting Wisconsin and I'm around the snow and I'm taken back to sledding down at, at St. Mary's and the hills over there. And, and it takes me back to that time every winter, every snow, every Christmas, and I'm taken back. You see, the last time that Peter was around a fire 
was the night that he denied Jesus. It tells us that, he, that he's standing around a fire keeping warm and people keep coming up to him. Do you know Jesus? Were you with Jesus? No, 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 go away. And he's keeping warm by a burning fire. So I imagine as he's out on the water on his boat, not only the view of his friend Jesus caught him, but all of a sudden the smell of that fire that Jesus has has immediately went to his brain. The signals have gone up, the sirens are going, and he is flooding with the memories and the feelings and the flashbacks of the night that he denied knowing his best friend. And all these feelings wash over him. Maybe he's feeling guilty. Maybe he, he's feeling worthless. Maybe he's feeling like, like a fake. Maybe he, he feels distant from Jesus or, or from God. Maybe to, to some extent, maybe he even feels responsible for the death of Jesus. And what's even more sad is that he's completely given up on this whole pursuit of Jesus, of being a follower of Jesus, on sharing the good news with others. He's just gone back to what's comfortable. He's just gone back to fishing. He's like, I'm not even gonna try that Jesus thing anymore. I'm just gonna go to what I know and what is comfortable. This is an intersection. And Jesus excels at the intersection. I love that, that he doesn't scold him that he doesn't ask like, where were you that night? How could you lie? How could you deny? How could you do that to me, Peter? What's wrong with you? I love that he doesn't like make fun of him for being a terrible fisherman. Like he doesn't bring that up at all. Just in that moment, he sits with him. He talks with him. He listens to him. And he, and he meets Peter in a place that I, that I wanna call in between crosses. This is where Peter's at. Peter is in between crosses. Right, we are all on a journey, all of us, anyone who is, who is here. Maybe, maybe uh, you're on this journey, you're, you're new to it, right? But, but here's the thing, we're all on this journey, so here's, here's how we chart this. The, the first kind of space on this journey is, is explorers. Maybe you're new to church, you're new to Jesus. Maybe someone dragged you here this weekend, right? I'm sorry, but we're glad you're here. Uh, and, and we want this to be a welcoming place. We want, whether you're new or exploring, right? We want this to be a space where you could just ask questions, where you can wrestle with faith and the big questions. Maybe you're, you're looking and maybe you join Alpha, right? This is a group where we just ask questions and, and we're asking the big faith questions. And maybe that's where you're at. You're exploring, all right? And that's a great space to be. But at some point, maybe you come to the cross and, and this cross signifies the, the good news, the message of Jesus. And maybe for the first time, it hits you. For the first time, it resonates with you that, that the greatest intersection that there ever was happened with, with one piece of cross, going, one piece of wood going horizontal and another piece of wood uh, nailed to it going, going, uh, going horizontal, vertical, right? And you've got this cross making an intersection. And Jesus gets on that cross and dies for your sins and mine, changing my life, your life, and the world forever. And for the first time, maybe you hear that news, the greatest intersection of all, that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he invites you to something great. And so you kind of die to your sin, as we say. We say, I'm gonna die to my sin and I want to follow Jesus. And now you are a new believer. You're exploring, but now you've accepted him as Lord and Savior. Now you're new and you're in love with Jesus. You're, you're kind of on fire. You're, you're super into it. It's really exciting. Maybe you even join Rooted, right? This is a group that, that we're kicking off in the fall where, where you just dive in to some principles and some practices on how to really deepen your faith. And so at some point when you're new, you, you really begin to start growing, right? And now you're over here and you're really growing. You're digging deep. Maybe you're in small groups. 
Maybe you're volunteering, maybe even you're leading a small group. And so you've gone through this journey and then all of a sudden, at some point in your faith journey, you hit a wall. You're growing and growing and growing. You're doing all the religious things and then you hit a wall. Maybe those feelings from when you were exploring or when you were new, those are starting to fade away. You're kind of getting tired and exhausted by all of the religious act and the things that you feel like you have to do for Jesus. And you just get tired. Maybe you get burnt out. Maybe you become less interested. See, here's the thing. What we've hit in this stage is not a wall, but it's another cross. See, we've come to this cross, which is I'm gonna die to my sin, acknowledging what Jesus has done for me. But then this cross is saying, hey, I'm going to now die to myself, my preferences, my my way, my will. Here's how I put it. The first cross is kind of like if you've ever been in a drive-thru and someone pays for your order in front of you. You ever had that that happen? They're like, you pull up and they're like, it's covered. That dude paid for it. And you're like, This is awesome. This is great, right? We acknowledge, hey, Jesus paid for my sin. He died on the cross for me. This is good news. This is something we want to celebrate. We're excited about. But then that awkward question happens. The person in the drive-thru, did you want to pay for the person behind you? And you're like, "Um, was that a minivan? How many people were in there? (laughs) Four, three, six? There's six? Oh my gosh. That's a lot of Happy Meals. I don't know. I don't know. And you're starting to question, like, what do, I, what do I, I do in this moment, right? See, here's the thing, right? The first cross is it, it, free. It's good news. The, the second cross, it's now saying, hey, I'm going to pay forward the good news that I've received in Jesus, the hope that I have found in Jesus. I want to live a life where, where, where I'm dying to myself and saying, how can I pay this forward? How can I share the good news with everyone I come in contact with? Dying to myself, saying it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ in me. It is Christ working through me. It is Christ completely transforming my life. That what I've received from the cross, what I've received from Jesus, from growing, from deepening my faith, I would let it overflow so much into the lives of others. And I've come to a point where now I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my ways and my will and my own preferences. I want to preface this before we get beyond this cross. This is not to be rushed. Wherever you are at on your journey, that is good news. Whether you are uninterested or sold out for Jesus, we are glad you are here. And we hope that you'd continue on this journey, asking questions, growing in your faith. But once you reach this cross and you said, I want to die to myself, you then become a Christ-centered follower. You're a Christ-centered believer, that that Christ is in you. He's he's filled you. He's, He's transforming your life. And then here's what you do. Now you start going back. So you start going and helping those people who are new, saying, hey, how can I share the good news of Jesus with you? How can I tell you some, some hope? How can, I, how can I do that? You go to the people who are growing and you say, hey, brother, you haven't hit a wall. It's a cross. How can you, how can you carry a cross? How can you die to yourself and you're helping people on this journey? But here's, here's my fear for many of us is that we are very content in between crosses. We love what Jesus did for us. 
We're all about that good news that someone died and sacrificed for me. But now you're telling me I've got to die to some things and I've got to sacrifice parts of my life and my comfort? Mm-mm, not interested, no thanks. It's easy for us, myself included, to maybe reap the rewards of Jesus without the transformation and sacrifice. And friends, that's fine because that will get you to heaven. But following Jesus is not about getting to heaven when you die. It is about bringing heaven here. It is about being a part of what God wants to do here and now so that we can make heaven later absolutely packed, shoulder to shoulder, crowded, right? That is what God wants to do in and through you. So it's not about living in between crosses. It's about being on this journey with others. And for me, it's so easy to just passively follow Jesus to get my coffee and walk into church and then walk out completely unchanged. And this is where Peter is. See, he's been with Jesus for the miracles. He's even helped him like pass out the endless basket of bread and fish and he's doing some cool stuff. He's sitting front row at every single teaching and seminar and lecture that Jesus is giving. Peter is there. He's in the trenches. But at some point, Peter's got to own his faith. Peter's got to go from receiving whatever he can from Jesus to now living it out. He's got to go from, from sitting in loving union with Jesus on the beach, around a fire, having a good time, to now saying, hey, I'm in my own intersection, but how can I go to other people's? How can I start living in other people's intersections, loving others? How can I start feeding Jesus's sheep? How can I go back? So two questions for you. Have you come to that first cross? This is Jesus saying, do you love me? because I love you. Do, do you love me? And maybe have, have you come to that second cross where Jesus is saying, then would you feed my sheep? See, Jesus is inviting Peter and, and you and me to join him, to be a participant in the gospel, to be a part of the good news, to be a part of what God is doing, going from one intersection to the next, going from my intersection, going from my brokenness and my mess that Jesus has met me in to now say, God, I wanna go do the same thing you've done for me to others. I wanna go meet people. I wanna go love people. And this is what Peter does. See, Peter goes on to preach the first gospel message to a mass crowd after Jesus has left the earth. Peter's one of the first people to share the good news of Jesus with a non-Jewish person, literally changing the world forever. Peter gets to be a part of one of the first miracles that takes place after Jesus has left, God working in and through him to perform a miracle. And Peter's gonna be referred to and remembered and known as the rock that Jesus built his church on. Why? Because he was willing to be transformed by Jesus, to be transformed in an intersection, not settle in between crosses, die to himself, and go meet other people. And so here, here's how I wanna close, by, by simply asking, how do we do this? 
Because it sounds cool, right? It sounds good, but it's it's a little easier said than done. And so how do we actually do this? How do we live this out? And I think Jesus gives us a really good blueprint for what to do. I mean, just look at what he did with Peter. He, He sat with him. He talked with him. He listened to him. And he had food. So if you can have food, that's a, that's a plus. That's a bonus point. But Jesus just meets him in this moment. And so maybe, maybe you're a parent. Maybe you've got little kids. Maybe you've got teenagers. And maybe they're struggling. Maybe they got doubts. Maybe they've got big questions that, that you don't have the answers for. Maybe they're kind of uninterested in the whole church act and the whole church thing and, and, and the religious thing, my invitation is, what, what if you just loved them? What if you just met your kids where they're at? What if, you, what if you asked questions with them? What if you embraced their questions and their doubts? What if you said, wow, I've never, I've never thought of that. Let's go to the Bible. Do you want to look up that together? But you know what? I don't know if that's in the Bible. Let's, let's go study that. You know what? Hey, that's a really big question. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I've been there too. What would that look like for us to just love our, our students and, and, and meet them where they are at? And then I'd say this, bring them to church. Bring your kids to church, bring your family to church, get your family around people, get your family in community, get your family at church. 85% of decisions made to follow Jesus happen between the ages of four and 14. This is a pivotal moment in their life. They are impressionable and young and they need the good news of Jesus. And I'll tell you this, this is good news. 77% of teenagers say that they are interested in learning more about Jesus. Friends, that is good news. They're interested. Researchers are calling them the open generation. And they have more more resources available than ever before to change the world for Jesus. So what if we stop talking down on the next generation and instead started equipping them, encouraging and loving them, meeting them where they're at, helping them become all that God has created them to be. And it starts with you. It starts in the home. It starts as parents and friends and neighbors and mentors. Students, for you. Maybe you're like, how do I live one at a time? How do I meet people in the intersections? Well, maybe you just know one person at school. Maybe they're going through a hard time and you've heard rumors about it. You've heard stories about it. What if, what if you just invited them over? What if you just asked if you could eat lunch with them? What if you just asked them, hey, how are you? What if you just threw one compliment their way? I like your shoes. Hey, cool backpack, right? What if you just showed love to the people in your school? I promise you, you are not too young for God to use you. Maybe for you, it's, it's your neighbors. And you've started to see, man, they're going through some stuff. A car has been there less often, or man, they've been a little distant. They haven't come out as much this summer. I wonder what's going on? What if you just walked over? What if you brought them dinner? What if you said, hey, we got a ton of food at the house tonight. Would, would you guys want to eat? We got, we're going to have leftovers. Hey, we got a fire going in the backyard. You want to come sit with us? You want to come talk? And maybe, what if, what if you asked them if you could pray for them? And then I'll challenge you with this. What if you just did it? <laughs> right, like right there. Not, yeah, man, I'll pray for you. No, right there, pray for the people in your life. And say, how can I pray for you? Can, are you cool if I prayed for you right here? I know that might be weird, but can we give it a shot? 
Maybe you got a friend who, maybe they're getting married or maybe they're, they're in a job transition or maybe they just got a really big decision to make and they need someone to process it with. Maybe they don't need someone to, to talk at them. They just need someone who will listen to them and create a space. What if, what if you invited them for coffee? Invited them for a run? What, what if you just invited them to, to go do something? What if you invited them to sit here? Come sit in our lobbies. Come, come sit in our, our student spaces at both our campuses. We've got spaces. If you got to meet with some people, if you want to talk with some people, if you want to get around some friends, what if you brought them here to hear the good news? I, I, I know we keep saying, hey, September Fest, it's a couple weeks away. Who are you bringing? Who are you bringing? Friends, this is our, one of our biggest outreach events of the year. We're not bringing this up so that we could just get more people here. We're bringing this up because we know that the, that the world is hurting. That there's people who are going through some stuff and they need some good news. They need, they need some community. They need some love. They need a fun weekend away. We're, we're serious. We mean it when we say this is for everyone. We mean it when we say you're welcome here. We mean it when we say God loves the ones. God loves the people who are far off. God loves the people who aren't even exploring yet. We mean it when we say that. We mean it when we say our doors swing wide open. That's why we're saying that, so that maybe, just maybe, someone could come and hear the good news of Jesus for the first time, changing their life and their family's life forever. And yeah, it might start with them just having some fun, rocking out to music on an inflatable. I don't know, but it can start with you. This is what happens when we begin to live one at a time, meeting people in the intersections. And I don't know about you, but I see a world that needs more hope and that needs more light. And so what if we said, hey, God, I, I just wanna be, I just wanna point someone to hope. I, I wanna be light in dark places. God, could you use me? God, could you, could you open my eyes to see them and give me the courage to move towards them? I wanna close by asking you, the same questions that Jesus asked Peter. You can feel free to respond if you'd like. You don't have to, but I wanna add one question to start. Friends, do you know that Jesus loves you? Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe, maybe no one's ever told you that they loved you. Can I tell you that Jesus loves you? That God loves you, that he maybe made you on purpose for a purpose, that he's got a plan for your life, that you're not here on accident, that he loves you. I'll ask you this, maybe you're not there yet, that's okay, but do you love Jesus? Maybe that's complicated, that's great. Let's talk about it. But if you'd say yes to that question, I love Jesus, then let me ask you this one. Will you feed his sheep? Will you go love his people? Will you go meet people in the intersections of life? pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, we are, God, we're, we're blown away that you would meet us in the intersections of life. God, that you would meet us in our mess, in our brokenness, that you're not afraid of our mess and our brokenness. God, you see our pain and you move closer. You move towards us. And God, we're grateful for that. And if that's anyone walks away with hearing this weekend, God, that's enough. That, that's good news. But God, for those of us who would be dare to, to pray this bold prayer, God, would you move us into intersections with others? God, would you use us to shine your light in the darkest places? Would you open our eyes to see others? 
Would you open our, our hands to serve others? And would you open our hearts to be transformed by the powerful work that you wanna do in and through us? So God, here we are. We are yours. Would you use us? Would you send us? And God, we thank you for what you are doing, the lives that you are changing. And we thank you that you include us in your story. It is in your name we pray. Amen.